streaming live. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. 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 Correndo e olhando para trás. Please stand by. We'll be streaming live soon. Hey, good morning. Good to be with you here on LighterRain.com. Glad you joined us, and we're going to continue our study of the Book of Philippians. And the book of Philippians, uh, Dr. Thomas, Gene Thomas, last Thursday morning got us started on the book of Philippians. Uh, so if you missed that one, then go find uh, Dr. Gene from last Thursday and check it out. He got us started, really great Bible study, the need for community, and, and just, uh, just, just a good start. So check out that first one. And then uh, Monday this week, and then yesterday, Pastor Rick has been working on teaching on, uh, well, several different things. There's some stuff out of Leviticus on, on the value of the sin offering and the priestly sin. And then there's one on transferable power and how the power of the Holy Spirit can be transferred from one person to another. And that if you have the Holy Spirit in you, then through speaking forth and praying for others, you can transfer the power that's in you to others. That's a very good Bible study. Go check that one out. That was Monday. Well, the book of Philippians is uh, one of the shorter letters. It's a Pauline epistle or Pauline, whichever part of the country you're from, right? Pauline or Pauline epistle. And it's one of the uh, prison epistles, right? It's, it's, it's one of the prison letters. So Paul is writing from Rome. Okay, if you remember towards, uh, towards the end of Acts, I'm just giving you context. Now, hang with me. I'm not, this is not a history lesson. I just want you to know where, where he's gone. Paul has gone through all of his missionary journeys. I mean, he's been, he's been in prison. He's gone without food. He's gone through a shipwreck. At the end of uh, Acts, he ends up going to Jerusalem one more time. And when he gets to Jerusalem, he goes to the temple... And then he gets accused of bringing a Gentile into the, to the temple area where Gentiles are not allowed. So the Jews want to kill him. You know, the, the Roman governor comes down from uh, Caesarea, sends a, sends a convoy to come pick him up, takes him to Caesarea, spends some time there at the end of Acts, sort of presenting his case before these Roman officials. And then he appeals to the court of Caesar that he would be sent to Rome and that he would be able to stand trial in Caesar's court because as a Roman citizen, Paul had that right. Roman, if you were not a Roman citizen, you didn't have a right to request that. But if you were a Roman citizen, you could. And so Paul said, I want to go to Rome. 
So he's in, Ro- in Rome, supposedly waiting trial. And he writes some letters while he's in prison. Because when you go and you appeal to Caesar's court, well, you're at the mercy of just getting in line. I mean, there's a bunch of people in Paul's situation. They're, they're there and they're waiting for their turn, for their case to be heard. Okay, but it wasn't, uh, most likely, most likely it wasn't a damp, dark prison. Most likely, as a Roman citizen, he was, he was given uh, a, a, little, a little bit of a, maybe even house arrest, uh, you know, stuff like that or something like that. And uh, So he's writing these letters. And so one of them he writes to the Philippians. Now the Philippians, the, the, the city of Philippi, okay, was a very Roman city. Now, I'm not just telling you that for no reason. It's important to the Bible study. The city of Philippi was a very Roman city. It was, uh, it was called a Roman uh, colony, I think, I think was the... And so, they were exempt from Roman taxation, okay? And it was, it was a place where uh, a lot of retired military veterans would go there and live, okay? And it was along the... Uh, it, Ignatius, Ignatian uh, route, that, that big road that like went, went down and, and went on its way to a big trade, trade route that went through that area, uh, modern-day Greece and everything, Turkey and Greece and over, okay? So Ignatian Way, right? Lots of, lots of good. So it was pretty wealthy. And, and you had a lot of patriotic, retired Roman veterans. And many of them, you know, would have been part of this church. Okay, so so in verse twelve. Now we're going to get to the scripture. <laughs> All right. So in verse twelve, Paul starts saying things about how he's in prison. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Okay? Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely. Okay, so he's, he's uh, helping them understand that not, not everybody has the same motivations in ministry. Okay, suppose, <laughs> I'm getting some amens around the room here. Supposing to add confliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the, the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and therein do, therein I, and I therein do rejoice, yes, and will rejoice, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation or deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, he's talking about how he's, in prison, how he's how he's in bonds, and he's trying to help. Now think about this, okay? Think about the veterans in America that you know. When I'm talking to Americans or, or whatever country you're in. Think about the veterans you know, or or think about the families of of veterans or active military, and the patriotism that those people feel in their family, because either them or a husband or a wife or a son, or a daughter, has sacrificed, put their, their lives on the line for their country. And so they feel a great sense of pride and patriotism towards your country. Right? Americans feel that. I know that 
wherever, whatever country you're in, if, if somebody serves in the military, right, you feel a great sense of pride, okay? So then, if you have pride in your country, well, it stands to reason that you would be a little bit ashamed if somebody that you were close to or a family member was in prison. <laughs> because they, they're in prison because they essentially have rebelled against your country that you feel so proud in. So there's a conflict there. And so Paul is ministering to this group. Remember I told you the idea of them being a, you know, a, a kind of a Roman colony. It's a very patriotic city, and he's trying to help them reinterpret his imprisonment because the assumption would be, oh, man, I, should, should we disassociate from this guy who's in prison because we feel a lot of pride with Rome, and now is this going to look bad on me if I'm associating with this man who's in prison. He's a Roman citizen who's in prison, and he supposedly is my spiritual mentor. That doesn't look good. I'm feeling a little vulnerable about that. Okay? And so Paul is trying to help them reinterpret what's happening to him. Okay? And say, listen, don't think of, about this in terms of it reflecting on you personally. Think about it on what's this doing for the gospel? What what is what is this doing for people who are lost to hear the good news of Jesus Christ? And you'll begin to see actually that my imprisonment is furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. So you've got to make a decision of where your allegiance really lies. Now he's not saying don't be a good Roman citizen or anything like that. But what he is saying is that uh, you can't shy away and be ashamed of being persecuted for the gospel. You can't be ashamed of those who are being persecuted for the gospel. In fact, we should be proud. Now, there's a lot of people that I know are just running away with thoughts right now thinking about our country. <laughs> hey, what's going on right now? Think of, you know, all those of you in the U.S. listening right now, you're just... You're gone. I've lost you. Come on back. <laughs> Come on back. Okay? Because you're, you're thinking about all of the different voices. You're thinking about everything people are saying on Facebook. You're thinking about what CNN's doing. You're thinking about what Fox is doing. You're thinking about what the White House is doing. You know? And, I mean, it's just, it's, it's like just a mad jungle of people just duking it out on social media and news and TV and newspapers and everything. Everybody's got an angle and you can't trust a single thing. You know, so how are we supposed to be good Christians, right? Um, well, I don't really want to get into that in terms of... Uh, but I, but I, want to, I want to ask you to come back and I want to ask you this question. Are you willing to... Put your allegiance in the gospel more than, uh, well, let me rephrase that. Are you willing to, not really allegiance, are you really to be committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ more than the culture of the day? Okay? Because that's, that's sort of the pressure that's going on, and that's what's behind this text. I know that's, I hope I'm getting through on that, that, that there's, the, there's, a, there's societal pressures 
there's a man here who's our spiritual mentor. And in fact, he planted the church. If you remember in Acts, he goes to Lydia and the women are praying there. And those are the first converts in Philippi and that starts the church. And then they, they, they drive out the demon from the little girl. And then, and then Paul, Paul and Barnabas go to jail. Go read that in the book of Acts. I think it's 16 or... I, I, I could be... Acts 16? Okay, thanks, Matt. Yeah, Acts 16. Go read that. That's what starts the church. And so there's societal pressures going on of do they want to be associated with this guy? And they've got to make a decision about their own salvation, about their commitments in life, and if they are going to follow the culture of the day or if they're going to... Now, sometimes culture, sometimes culture honors God. There's many things in American culture that honor God. Okay? There's many things that do. There's many things in Brazilian culture that honor God. There's many things in African culture that, uh, that honor God. I'm sorry to lump you all in one continent, those from Africa. <laughs> I don't mean that. You know, Uganda, Ethiopia, Kenya, Egypt, you know, South Africa. Zimbabwe, you know, there's many, there's many things in various cultures that honor God, but there's many things that don't honor God. My son is reading a book right now, and it's about, uh, it's supposed to be about this this uh, young boy in Egypt who who encounters all this stuff, and there's some weird stuff in there about evil spirits and and some kind of witch doctor thing, and he was telling me, you know, I, this is kind of a dark book. I don't know if I want to really. Read this. It's supposed to help me understand Egyptian culture. But I, but it's kind of dark. And I looked at him and I said, Jace, you know what? There's some things about culture that I don't want to understand because it's not a God. And I don't, want to understand, I don't even want to understand it. In fact, I can understand it right now. It's of the devil. Stay away from it. Okay? And so I just told him, like, you, you don't have to be involved in that stuff to please people and be you know, culturally you know, relevant. No, come on. We, we can't spend our time being culturally relevant. If we do that, then the gospel gets watered down because then you're trying to make the gospel fit into culture and tell, tell them the culture that they're sinning against God and they need to change. Okay? So the gospel is relevant in any culture. You don't have to try to make it relevant. All right? And so that's sort of... Now, that 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 is what... Paul is doing behind the text, but he's doing it in just such an encouraging way. Saying, look, y'all, just let me let me help you see what's going on here. I know I'm in prison, but man, people are hearing about Jesus here. So pray for me. I need you to pray for me. And he says there, look, through your prayers, I'm gonna don't 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 be discouraged. Don't leave me now. Through your prayers, you supporting me, we're gonna make it. Amen. For I know this shall turn to my deliverance. And then he starts to wrestle. It's, it's kind of funny. He starts to wrestle, verses 20 through 26. He starts to sort of get a little personal and say, yeah, this, just be honest with you, this is a struggle. And there's part of me that would like it to be over with. And I'll just go be with Jesus and leave you suckers here to deal with it. <laughs> but, but then he says, I can't just, I can't do that. Okay, so according to my, uh, verse 20. We'll see, we'll see if we can get through verse uh, 20 to 26. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. Wait a second. I forgot, I forgot to give a comment. I apologize. 
Paul talks about how not everybody preaches the gospel with the right motivation. Now, the truth is, all of us have conflicting motivations. Even the best minister, pastor, evangelist, missionary in the world has conflicting motivations. Okay? If you're really honest. Okay? So, some might be more selfish than others. Some might be more have more of a serving heart than others. And so we can kind of judge that on a scale. But all of us at, t- at times are having selfish motivations in ministry. Okay, We can kind of go in and out of that depending on what's going on in our lives. So it's, it's not really an issue of judging that. But what I love here is that Paul says that God will use any of it. So I'll, I just want to ask you, and this is not to say we don't call out heresy and we don't challenge pastors who are doing things that are wrong or, you know, and things like that. But I want to I caution you against jumping all over every pastor the moment you see something that you don't like about them. Because okay? God might be using that pastor in a way that, that you don't understand. And you've got to give a little grace for some pastors and some preachers and ministers that, that they're imperfect people who are trying to, most of them trying to do the best they can. Most of them, most of them are, and some of them are, some of them aren't. You know, I understand that. You know, sure, but don't, don't. I just want to ask you to have some, some grace, have some grace, and understand that a lot, of, a lot of people who preach Christ for selfish reasons, they do it as a living, they do it as a vocation, you know, and, and maybe they don't have a real strong walk with Christ personally. Uh, well, you know. The more they preach Christ, maybe they'll come to it. You know? So, and and they, they might be, it might be the most dead sermon. John Wesley would read his sermons. Literally read them. Just stand there and read sermons. And then he'd look up and people would be falling down on the ground. Okay? So it's, you know, God can use anybody. Okay? God can use anybody. If the gospel's being preached, whatever the motivations of the person are, the Holy Spirit might move in somebody's heart and their life be changed forever. So we don't know what God's doing. So that's just that's just a word of caution. Not say that we can't that no, we do need to have accountability for leaders and all that stuff, okay? But I just want to give a little note there that Paul is saying, Hey man, I know that there's people out there preaching Christ and they're they're selfish about it. Sure. But you know what? God can use them anyway. Okay, moving on, verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. In other words, Paul is saying, listen, I'm not ashamed of what's happened to me. And I'm asking you not to be ashamed as well. And Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed because... Because I know that what I did was to glorify Christ as much as possible in my life. And so if I could get to heaven and I could say, God, I know I didn't do everything perfect, but I was trying to glorify you. I really was. And forgive me for where I messed it up. Paul is saying, whether I live or die, I'm not ashamed because I know my God. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet 
what yet what I shall choose I what not. Look, y'all, King James just sometimes, okay, look, it's basically just saying, this actually means that if I had, that if he had his choice, he is not certain which he would choose to remain here longer or to go on to be with Christ, okay? For, verse 23, for I am in a strait betwixt the two, betwixt two. I love it, man. That's my word for the day, betwixt. (laughs) Makes me want to twix. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Hallelujah. It is. I love that Paul just has that perspective. I mean, he knows that this world is nothing in comparison to be with Christ in heaven. I mean, he's he's had the revelation. He had his, his, his moment where he was knocked off of his horse in Acts chapter 9. He... He's been caught up into the third heavens, you know. I mean, he he has had the visions, and he's he's heard the audible voice of Jesus. I mean, he's uh, so he knows what he's going to. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, I abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Okay. God's not done with me here on this earth. And I want you to know that God's not done with you either. And one of the things that the devil tries to do is to get you to think that when you're in a bad place in life, God's done with you. That must, that must mean that my time's up. God can't use me anymore. Ever been there? I guess... You know, I guess God's done with me here on this earth. I got nothing more to do for the kingdom, nothing more to do for God. Either I die or I go work at Walmart the rest of my life. Something like that, right? <laughs> but I want you to know God's not done with you, just like He wasn't done with Paul. Nevertheless, I to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you for your furtherance and joy of faith that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Christ Jesus for me by my coming to you again. He's hoping that he'll get to go see him again. He doesn't in the end. He, he sends, um, I think it's Epaphroditus, and then he tries to send Timothy later, um, uh, saying that he'll send Timothy later. So i got a few more minutes here, and then, and then I'll wrap up. So I want to ask you a question. Is there somebody in your life that you are looking to further the gospel in their heart? Because that's actually in the end, if you read it here with me, that is what's keeping Paul going right now. It's the fact that there's people that need to be developed in the kingdom of God. And so his current circumstances are less in his mind, even though, I mean, he says, look, this is not fun. I'd love to just go be with Jesus right now, okay? But he talks a lot about joy, rejoicing. And he he talks a lot, there's a very, it's very hopeful that like, you know, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to, I'm either going to go be with Jesus 
or God's going to keep moving, but I'm not giving up because I know that you guys still need to grow in the Lord. And there's a lot of people who need to hear about Jesus. So that was what was enabling him to sort of not let his circumstances be on top of him and, and push him down, where his circumstances actually were, were sort of underneath, and he was able to look beyond the circumstance to say, you know what, I can't pay attention to the circumstance because there's a lot of people that still, that still need to develop in the Lord. I've got to invest in these people. And so I want to ask you, is there, is there somebody or is there something that you are looking to serve right now? If not, then you need to find it. Because, see, actually serving others is the thing that will bring you out of those circumstances and bring you out of that selfishness and out of that self-centeredness and out of feeling like, woe is me and pity party the circumstances. And not, not, not to say that it's, it's easy. I mean, Paul was honest. He said it was tough. Okay, So I'm not saying that you don't notice and you, you don't feel pain or have tough days. But... If you want to be victorious in your circumstances that are difficult, then you've got to find somebody to serve. You've got to find some people that need Jesus. You've got to find some people that you can invest in, and you've got to begin investing in them. Is there, is there a children's ministry at your church? No? Well, maybe you need to start one. Get yourself a background check. Go to the pastor and say, Listen, if, if, we're going to, if this church is going to do anything, we're going to have to start a children's ministry. I'm not serving anybody. What do, I, what do I do? The pastor says, well, I don't really have any interest in a children's ministry. <laughs> then you go, God, am I supposed to stay at this church? This guy doesn't want a children's ministry. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> Lord says, no, stay there. Go back to him. Okay, pastor, what can I do then? Come on, use me. I'm here. You know, Lord might move you out. Lord might open a door for you there. Lord might change his heart. Lord might remove that pastor, put a new guy in. <laughs> we don't know. But you've got to find somebody to serve. You've got to pray. You've got to say, God, what's going on in my family? Who in my family is lost, totally lost and needs some help? Oh, God, I pray for him. Lord Jesus, I lift, up, I lift up my uncle to you right now who is just totally lost, doesn't know who you are. God, I lift up you know, my sister who's going through a divorce with two kids. God, I lift up my brother who's just barely able to pay his bills. Begin to pray for your family. Begin to call them and say, Hey, can I pray for you? What's going on? Anything I can do to help you? I don't have a lot of money. But <laughs> maybe I could do some child care. Find some needs and begin to get involved in the needs and invest in the kingdom of God. And that begins to get you out of your circumstance so that you can... I mean, that... That's what Paul was doing right here. He's saying, listen, it's you guys, all of you there in Philippi that I invested in and I planted that church and I haven't forgotten about you and you guys are the reason that I'm hanging on here in prison. So don't you give up on me because I'm not giving up on you. So that's the secret here that's behind this, all of this part here where Paul is talking about his imprisonment and how to view it. That's the secret of the difficult circumstances he's in and is, is he's, he's realizing that God's not done with him and there's people out there that, that God wants to use them to minister to them. So I want to encourage you to pray about that. If you were convicted this morning uh, or this evening, whatever time of day you're listening about this, then just pray. God, the conviction of the Lord comes in not to condemn, make you feel bad. 
Just pray. Say, God, I, I don't want to sit around thinking about my circumstance anymore. I'm sick of thinking about my circumstance. I've thought about it back and forth, up and down, sideways, left and right, over and over again, and I come back to the same thing. It stinks. Okay? So what do I do, God? Well, I can't just sit around thinking about it again. I wind up the same circle of thought. So I've got to break out of that circle of thought. So God, help me to see what's going on in the kingdom and where I can dive into whatever you're doing, God. And the Lord will begin to open those doors because now He's got a servant where the, where the heart is not perfect. Sure, no problem. Don't worry about that. But you just want to try to be a part of the kingdom somewhere, in some way. God will honor that. God will bless you with that. Amen. Thank you for listening this morning. I hope you got something out of this Bible study. It was an encouragement to me to look at it and see what Paul was going through and how he was ministering to the Philippian church there. We'll see you tomorrow morning as, as Dr. Gene will continue uh, our study on the book of Philippians. Have a great day. Let's go,